This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Layer. Layer is redefining the way businesses purchase and manage their commercial liability insurance by giving control of the process back to the business owner. More on that later. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Erica Keswin. She is an expert in the business of working human. She helps top-of-the-class businesses, organizations, and individuals improve their performance by honoring relationships in every context. She's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Rituals Roadmap, The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routines into Workplace magic. So Erica, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So so a lot of people, and I'm sure you've answered this countless times, a lot of people when they hear the word rituals probably think more about, say, religious traditions than workplace traditions. So how do you uh, bring that word into a, a context that it's not generally used? So yeah, when I think about what is a ritual and how does it differ from from a rule or a protocol, I, I think about it in a couple of ways. The first is a ritual is something to which we assign a greater level of value and, and meaning. Right. It's something that happens with a regular cadence. It could be every day. It could be every week. It could be every year. But the third part was really interesting to me and something that, that I hadn't thought a lot about, which is a ritual is something that goes beyond its practical purpose. So if I'm sitting here, there's this light behind me right at the moment, if this light goes out and I light a candle to be able to see, that's not a ritual. But if I light a candle at the end of every week to signify that transition from the work week to the weekend, that becomes a ritual. There's just more meaning around it. And I'm not doing it so that I could read. So I'm, I'm guessing you're suggesting, of course, that that's the intention that businesses need to bring to, to rituals. Let me ask, a lot of my listeners are small businesses. They might have eight or 10 people. Is it equally uh, effective to think in terms of rituals for a small business as it might be to, uh, you, you cite like LinkedIn in your book? So how, how you know, do you suggest if somebody is a much smaller organization and they're just not thinking about those types of systems almost? Yeah, well, a lot of the rituals are even within a team in yeah. some of these big organizations. Even there's one example in the book at LinkedIn, their learning and development team, small team, and they have a dance party every day at three o'clock and play one song. So you can also think about your family as a small organization. Sure. So, And I talk a lot about rituals with yourself. So I think for small businesses, it's a great way, and it doesn't have to cost a dime to, to create rituals to connect people. And the way that I think about it in the book is where are there opportunities for rituals around the employee life cycle? So from yeah. onboarding new employees to having meetings, to celebrating milestones, all of those are important, whether you have three people, a hundred people or 5,000 people. So, so I um, like you, I'm guessing, I'm tired of talking about COVID, but certainly COVID has colored rituals, has colored how people even work. So so what are you suggesting to people that uh, maybe have kind of had their routines, which are part of rituals, <laughs> kind of rocked? Yeah. So I was very fortunate that I handed in the book at the end of March and I had some time 
to write a whole new chapter called Rituals During Turbulent Times to talk to people about how their lives and their routines and rituals were upended. And what I found was that people were craving rituals even more because rituals ground us, they give some order to our chaos and, uh, and they give us a sense of psychological safety and belonging. And that's what I've really seen on the work front that you, you want to feel connected, especially when the world is upside down. So what I've seen people doing and what I've recommended um, that people do is number one, think about your rituals roadmap. So think about the rituals that you have in your company around all those areas in the employee experience that I referenced and think about which ones you can maintain. Think about which ones you can maintain with a little bit of a shift And many companies are thinking about new opportunities for rituals. So I think it's a combination of both. And where there's a will, there's a way. And it does. It goes back to that intention and meaning that you might be on Zoom having a lunch. But if it's connected to one of your rituals and your company values, especially, you're going to get that sense of of meaning and psychological safety and, and connection to purpose. I get a sense, of course, I don't do this work near at the level you do, but I I talk to a lot of business owners. Do you get a sense that there's almost a renewed sort of passion for this kind of work? The the whole idea of working human that that your first book was about, that there's almost a sense of, wow, yeah, we really actually have to get back to that. Yeah. Working in the human capital space for 25 years, I'm certainly used to the naysayers around this stuff's touchy-feely and what I don't really think there are bottom line implications. So sort of used to that anyway. I would, based on Bring Your Human to Work, tell those people to read that book and see that that creating a human workplace actually is really good for business. That being said, many of those naysayer types are now seeing things in a bit of a different light and are realizing that if they don't connect with people on a human level, they're really struggling. So as as an example, if you're a leader and you're leading a remote team and everybody's in a different place and your people aren't open and honest with you about what's really going on in their lives, how are you going to know that I might not be the best person to work on a client deliverable that day, or maybe I need help, or you need to, to create that. And, and so how do you do that? And even beyond bringing your whole self as a leader, what I'm what I'm seeing with some of the leaders that I profiled in the book and some of the ones I was able to go back and talk to, even in the midst of this um, pandemic, they're even bringing not only their themselves a sense of empathy, they're actually even bringing their own vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And more a leader can admit and sort of say to his or her team, what, this sucks. And I've had a crappy day. And here's what's going on in my life, even though as the boss, everybody assumes that I can figure my stuff out and it's not impacting me in the same way it's impacting my junior people that are living in a small studio in Manhattan with their office and their bedroom in the same room. Those are the ones that are where people are feeling connected and safe to tell their bosses what's really going on. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I like about the the, the way you've broken the book up is what I, I don't know if you call it this, but I would call sort of the employee journey and and for like recruiting and recognition and meetings. And so you want to just maybe kind of riff on a couple of those, some of the, like for meetings, for example, that's probably the bane of most people's existence in the corporate world, at least. What are some things you're, you're seeing that, that creatively make meetings, not only a ritual, but, but maybe more welcome? 
Yeah. So a meeting is not necessarily a ritual, but a meeting can be a ritual. And there's also aspects of meetings that can be ritualized. So some great opportunities for rituals around meetings are at the beginning or at the end. Some organizations are, are sharing kind snacks being one of them. They're starting their meetings with some deep breathing or some meditation. Again, may not be everybody's cup of tea. It also can differ by manager. Eileen Fisher, they ring a chime before every meeting, you know, just as a way to settle people. One organization profile in the book, they almost have like a big wave when they're saying goodbye to everybody on Zoom and somebody captures a picture and sends it out before the meeting the next week. One of the biggest rituals, though, that I've seen, and I've seen it iterate since the beginning of the pandemic, is around checking in with employees. And it kind of goes back to this idea of bringing your human to work. We, In the beginning of the pandemic, these check-ins were sometimes taking the whole meeting, or they were the whole meeting. Then after a few months, maybe they were half the meeting. And now we're almost a year in, which is insane. And people say to me, do I still need to do this checking in? The answer is yes, but it can't take up half the meeting. We've got to get work done. Yeah. And so what, what leaders are doing is things like, let's all go around the Zoom and everybody give one word to describe how they're feeling in that moment. Like, how are they showing up to work? And what does that do? Number one, it, it gets everybody focused and participating and, and sharing something right at the bat. It only takes five minutes. But if I share an adjective that describes like I'm really dealing with some crazy stuff right now, it gives you as my manager an opportunity, A, to check in with me later and, and continue to create those bonds. B, again, to maybe take me off the project or give me some help. And so it shows to me, and I've seen it firsthand, the impact of that on us as people in the team, but also on on the business. Yeah, and there's there, there's the uh, let's see, my kids have been in school for four days this entire year, and now it's a snow day. That, that's probably a popular one on on meetings right now. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> what about personal development? I know you tell again, LinkedIn shows up uh, a number of times in the book. You tell a story about their sort of mandatory, like one day uh, a month off every month as a theme. How much of that do you think should be ritualized? You can never force feed a ritual. And so rituals, they can be top down, they can be bottom up, they can really come from anywhere. I would actually say, and I just did a LinkedIn live with Noel Fakori, who I profile in that chapter mm -hmm. you're referring to in the book, and it's actually not mandatory. And the idea is how can you pull people into a ritual versus, versus right. pushing them into one? And they really let them take it and experience it in, in their own way. So I think across the board, you, you identify things that are connected with, with rituals. And if, for example, if professional development is something really critical to your values and in your company, it, it's, a, it's an interesting idea from the standpoint of this employee experience roadmap to think about it as it relates to to a ritual. I would say for many companies when you enter when you do surveys on employees and asking them what makes them want to stay in a company, professional development is typically at least in the top 3 if not sometimes even more than compensation. And so it is a really interesting place to start. Udemy, the online learning company has a really cool ritual called drop everything and learn called deal. And at three o'clock, once a month, everybody stops what they're doing and goes on their online platform. And 
interestingly, they're not necessarily taking an Excel class or a technical class. In thanks around November, people were taking classes on how to make a turkey. So, and then they get to share sort of, hey, what did you do this month? What did you do that month? And so, again, gives people an opportunity for for connection. Is there is there a, an opportunity for I'm going to call it ritual theater, meaning that somebody goes and hears this amazing speaker named Erica talk about all this stuff we need to do. And then they come back and they've got like ritual religion. Right. So how do you how do you first off make it authentic? How do you stay consistent? Because we've all had that like, here's what we're going to do this month. And that's right. the time you hear about it. So so how do you kind of walk that balance? Yeah, well, right. If someone hears this, they say, I'm going to create some rituals. It's just likely not going to work. Right. And so it's it's part of the reason why I call the book Rituals Roadmap is everybody's going to have a different roadmap and every organization, every team. And so bring your employees together, get input, talk about that roadmap and identify which parts might be the most sticky and the most important place to start. I wouldn't start at all of them. If you're a team that has to onboard tons of people right now, hard enough when you're not in the middle of a pandemic, let alone when you're trying to onboard people when you can't meet them. And and I know I said it before, but I, I think it's one of the most important things when you're identifying ways to start is to thinking thinking about your company values. I In Bring Your Human to Work, I talk a lot about how do you get the values off the walls and into the halls? Because, mm-hmm. and I'm sure in your work, you see it too. Every company has values, but if but whether or not they're alive and functioning is a whole other story. And so I would start there. And I would also think about many, many times people have rituals and they don't even know that they're rituals. And a question that I identified in the research that helped me help leaders figure out, oh, maybe that is a ritual, was the following question. So I would say, let's say to Marisa Andrada, who's the chief HR officer at Chipotle, all right, Marisa, when do employees at Chipotle feel most Chipotle-ish or at LinkedIn or Horizon Media or some of the small companies that no one's heard of? And when I asked that question, literally through the screen, I could almost see the light bulb going off. And she would say, oh, I know it's before the shift at 1015 when all the employees stop and have lunch together. Mm-hmm. And so that's a way, if you ask employees that question, I'm telling you, interesting things will come up. I mean, it could be at their annual awards ceremony, and maybe it's always been in person and you can't imagine doing it remote. But to your earlier question, maybe that's a good place to start and see if you can move that into a remote format because it is what people think of when they think about the culture of your company. And now a word from our sponsor. Layer is making high quality commercial insurance easily accessible and affordable for more than 25 million small businesses throughout America. It's a startup that is building better insurance for emerging U.S. businesses by using artificial intelligence and machine learning to recommend and match companies with the insurance policies and coverage they need and accurately predict carrier pricing. Hassle-free business insurance, 100% online. You can pay monthly with a credit card. Check it out at withlayer.com. That's with L-A-Y-R.com. So in a typical company, you mentioned the, the head of people or, or people ops in that organization. Is there is there a typical place that ritual development, ritual maintenance should live in a company? Or is it just kind of like, hey, everybody should be doing it? 
I think it can be within a team. Ultimately has to live and be alive. I mean, those one of the most important things I always tell companies, especially when you're thinking about training and professional and personal development is with those managers. Because at the end of the day, nine out of 10 people leave a company because of their immediate manager anyway. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do think that culture and values and that alignment needs to start at the top. And so ideally, yeah, the, C- the CEO, the senior management team buys in and then it trickles down. And if you have some rituals, then it's going to differ across teams and across departments. But ideally, there's there's alignment around our mission, our vision, and our values and who we are, and then how those are implemented and come to life can, can differ. So we've been talking about the workplace almost exclusively. I know you probably work with just individuals on on personal rituals and on family rituals and home rituals. So how 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 would you suggest people bring those into their individual lives? So when I designed the roadmap, it's it's at work and it's at home. So we talked about the employee experience roadmap in your own life, it's a day in your life. So whether it's thinking about does your calendar reflect your values and mapping out the day, the week, the month. Do you have more individual rituals when you wake up in the morning around meals, around breaks? So there, there's parallels on the work front, but you need to think about, especially now, are my kids not at school at all? Well, I'm going to have to shift maybe some of my rituals because I have to make sure that they're settled in their online school instead of being gone all day where where they should have. So it's about bringing in a, bringing awareness and intention to what can be those those very small moments. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll share a personal example because I think it really does highlight that shift from routine to ritual and why I use the word magic in the subtitle which of the book which some might think, well, really? Is, is that a reach? So for many, many years, I go have gone to Starbucks in the morning. That's my, now it's my ritual. It started off as a routine. I'd get my coffee, get my caffeine, got to know my barista, Ashley, who I profile actually in both books. I would sit down in Starbucks, which I can't wait to do again someday. And I would have my coffee and I'd have my notebook and I'd be crunching my numbers and working. And one day I realized that I hadn't even tasted the coffee, which was sort of a bummer because it really is a time in the day that I look forward to. And so in that moment, and I didn't realize it because this is years ago, well before I started writing a book about rituals and really thinking about the impact of rituals, I shifted what I was doing and put more intention and meaning around this, what I did every day. So for the last five or six years, I get the same coffee, the same order, And I pause, put my hands on the cup, take a few deep breaths, feel the heat. Rituals are often associated with your senses. Mm -hmm. Smell it, taste it, actually enjoy it, and like take a moment. And that is where, and there really is sort of that magic in that. And it's grounding. It puts some order in the day. And it truly is is a ritual and it's how I start start the day every day. So some people might not be morning people. I did a talk the other day, I was on live with Kelly and Ryan and Ryan talks about his sleep ceremony ritual. I'm less of a person that does it at night. So it's really very individual to you. Yeah, my morning um, ritual is it's grown to about two hours now because <laughs> my kids are all grown and it, it allows me that. But I wonder if something crosses over from a routine to a ritual, and I don't know if this is the decide, determining factor or not, but like if I don't do it, 
I'm kind of, I'm, I'm off for the whole day. And I, so I don't know if that's, if that's just habitual <laughs> activity of a, of a routine, or if that brings it in more to the ritual space. Yeah, I think it could be either. I, I do tell people that my coffee ritual is much more than the caffeine. caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> the caffeine's nice, but but it is much more than of of that pause. And so you can sort of check in with yourself. What is it that you're actually missing? In the book, I talk about starting as you mean to go on, and it really sets you up for for the day. And so maybe there's a way to say, okay, if I do miss it, where else could I, maybe when I think about my day around, we all need to take breaks. If we've learned anything in 2020, we can't sit in front of these screens all day. So maybe there's almost like a backup gap stop that if you do miss it, there's a way to do a catch up to take pieces of it and stick it in that three o'clock break instead of the the chocolate. (laughs) Amen to that. So We've talked about employees almost exclusively, and one of the things you talk about in the book, and I think a lot of people uh, probably miss this one, is is rituals for customers as well. And I think that's that's the kind of stuff that gets people actually talking about your business. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. employees uh, doing a great job and being engaged will get people talking about your business as well. But uh, there's there's something about a customer who's out there raving about you as well. So what are some what are some ideas for rituals for customers? I think it's so important. If you can build in, that is the North Star. Yeah. You can build in rituals for your customers, like you're, you're set. So a, a really interesting example that I can share came from a guy that I used to work with when we were in executive recruiting. And he would bring together all of his successful candidates, so people that he had placed. And he would go to, they would get a block of tickets and they'd go to the US Open. And we wanted to, do something really nice for them. And when he started doing it, he would get these seats right up in the front, like so close at the US Open, you could almost, well, you could basically hear Serena Williams breathing. And what he found while while that was great, it nobody could talk to each other. And they were expensive seats and you'd, you wowed them, but, yeah. but he felt like something was missing. So the third year, he actually got seats farther back, had some food and he let people his successful candidates bring a kid or bring a spouse or something. And it created such a sense of community and bonding. And yes, it, it was fun, but it was, it, it was this, this intention around what are, what are my values in terms of the work that I do? And I want all of my successful candidates to meet each other. They're right. smart. They're bright. I know that they can, who knows, they'll do business with each other and people were clamoring for this this event every year. And of course, it was good for his business because he got to reconnect with all of them. And people would say, oh, Sean, what? I'm going to have another search coming up. And so it's, again, thinking about what's important to you in your business and how where can you build it into that roadmap? And I loved how he shifted it because the first way was it was, it was nice, but it really wasn't aligned with his goals and and he didn't get enough. There was that connection and the stickiness didn't necessarily happen in the same way. Yeah, the first way was more about him almost. And the other way was uh, more about them. Um, exactly, exactly. So Erica, tell people where they can find out more about your work and obviously Rituals Roadmap. Right. So check out my website, which is just my name, Erica Keswin, K-E-S-W-I-N.com. There's information about the books. I have a podcast called Left to Our Own Devices. And lots of 
fun things to read and see from all from all the media and would would love to be in touch with with all of your guests awesome well thanks thanks so much again for stopping by maybe when we all get back out there on the road again we'll be able i'll be able to fly into new york and meet you in person i am looking forward to it 